Space Shuttle, this is Flight Safety. This podcast may contain adult themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. Please keep your hands and arms inside the vehicle while in motion. You are clear for launch. The following paragraphs are from a fanfiction titled, It's Enough for Now, by today's guest fanfiction writer, Sugary. He's so cold. Then again, Styles is a human, and he's been chasing down leads on the veneer for the last week. There hasn't been much time to worry about anything else. Not when a psychopath kept sacrificing innocent people to a stupid scarecrow. With that ordeal finally taken care of, a sharp chill now seeps into his skin and bones, weighing him down. Suddenly, Styles feels tired. Maybe he should head back home. Before he can grab his keys, a comforting warmth envelops him. It takes a moment for him to realize that Derek has them both wrapped up in the same flannel blanket. Styles blinks. His eyes grow wide. Surely he must be dreaming. Because Derek Hale never shares anything with just anyone. When he quickly counts his fingers and pinches himself, though, it's obvious this is all real. Unless he's losing his mind. You know, I could get another blanket, Styles points out, breaking the silence. Or let me grab my hoodie from the couch. It's fine, Derek interjects in a low voice. He tugs the blanket gently, pulling Styles closer. Styles. Styles automatically looks up and freezes as hazel eyes peer back at him, so honest and pure, looking at him like he matters. He doesn't know what to think. Styles can deal with the usual glares he gets for being too headstrong, but this is something else. His heart skips a beat. Are you sure about this? His face heats up after the words leave his mouth. That isn't quite what he wanted to ask. You're shivering. Oh, <laughs> I guess I am. Derek rolls his eyes and sighs loudly. Stop thinking so much and come here. Styles nods and gives in, letting himself lean against Derek. His lips quirk up. Yeah, I can do that. To the north, south, east, and west four corners of the world, greetings from the wild, arid desert of the American Southwest. I'm your host, Chaos Blue, and this is the Fanfic Maverick Podcast. Today's guest fanfiction writer is Sugary. Sugary has been a member of AO3 since 2015 and has 124 works posted. They are multi-shipper writer. And an artist who dabbles in multiple fandoms like Harry Potter, Teen Wolf, Merlin, and Good Omens. They also mod a few Tumblr open prompt challenges and fandom Discord servers. They create occasional rec lists and alpha and beta works for fellow fandomers. In their spare time, Sugary runs a side art business and blends loose leaf teas. Hell yes. They also enjoy yoga, dancing, D&D, board games, and Comic-Cons. They have an impressive rubber ducky collection and a great appreciation for spooky things, urban myths and legends, as well as anything cat, 
owl tarot font or tattoo related sugary thank you so much for being here today welcome to fanfic maverick how you doing good thanks for having me on the show absolutely we're glad that you're here when i read this thing about the loose leaf teas like that intrigued me intensely like i love tea so i have to know what your favorite mix is i like chai blends just because there are a lot of different spices and pure chai all the way from india is like absolutely amazing but there there are so many different things you can actually put in tea. It's it, it's pretty great. So you and I like the same kind because I love the chai teas. The spice blends are always my favorite when it comes to tea. So, so good. That's awesome. I love that. So we always like to start out by talking about discovering fan fiction for the first time. I also really want to hear about your journey through fandom over the years, because from what I understand, you have quite a unique fandom story. So I was hoping that you could tell us in a linear fashion what your journey through fandom has looked like over the years and how does fan fiction fit into that? I'd love to hear about that story. Sure. So it's definitely, like you said, a unique story since I've been in fandom since 2004. So that's like about 20 years in fandom. And that's kind of mind blowing just because I would not be part of fandom at all if it wasn't because of fanfic in general. So at the end of the day, it's almost kind of like this round circle type of thing of how I started and how I am where I am. So a lot of this kind of stems back from Harry Potter, but as we've talked about through email, I am a multi-fandomer, I am a multi-shipper, but yeah, that kind of evolves as time moves on. But to be honest, I go back way into the live journal days where fanfic was posted on live journal. It was. <laughs> yeah. Trying to find fic in that fashion was kind of interesting because there is a tagging system, but it wasn't great, let's be honest. And I know some of that history is still like on live journal, but for the newer crowd who are kind of like looking at things in AO3, they're not going to know, know what those hidden gems are. But I would say when it came to fandom, like I, even with like Harry Potter, I didn't even really know much about Harry Potter until my sister actually dragged me to the movies and I think it was Prisoner of Azkaban. She was more of a fandomer than I was and she knew about like Live Journal and she she was actually the person who was reading fanfic before I did but she basically threw this all at me and I was like what in the world is all of this so I mean I watched the movie and I was like I, none of this makes sense I decided to pick up the books from the library. I was like, fine, I'm hooked. Like, give me more. And then she gave me the intro to, like, Live Journal. Like, oh, there's something called fanfic. I'm like, what in the world is fanfic? And that's basically all those what ifs or things that we did not get to see in, you know, canon form, like movies or um, the books. Fanfic kind of, you know, is your fix it for all of that. So. I know she was into a lot of dreary at the time. She introduced me to this writer called Armity, who had this whole series called The Very Secret Live Journals. And it was basically different uh, Hogwarts characters and I think some like professors, but they had their own live journal. 
And it was like literally in a way like role play. So <laughs> I was like, what in the world is this? It's ba It was basically a lot of crack. And I mean, you know, there there's some other mature type of content like thrown in there. And it was just kind of, I don't even know, but it was like the hot thing that people were like reading, looking at in like the live journal community. And like when I actually poked around in live journal with like all these like writers or people commenting or whatever that was the type of stuff people wanted wanted to read want to write and I was just kind of like okay give me more that's fine and that's literally like how I got accepted so do you remember how old you were or like an approximate like were you still in high school when this happened for the first time for you or were you out of high school or oh yeah I was in high school and I was in high school kind of like okay this is like really interesting because this is also kind of like that introduction of like you know what an online community is yes we had AOL and that was just kind of like its own thing I come from like the live journal days but also Neopets was a big thing so <laughs> I remember yeah <laughs> yep yep so that was like its own little community but you know where I was like spending all these like hours on Neopets because I found fanfic and fandom I was like okay let's hours on Neopets, more time reading fanfic because I don't know where people are coming up with these ideas, but these are too good to pass up on and I want more. So where do I even find this? And LiveJournal has these little communities where, you know, people post things and whatnot. And I did not know that based off of kind of this whole like secret LiveJournal like style of writing that they had like Harry Potter RPGs and they had RPGs for a bunch of different fandoms but the fact that that was hot in the live journal community like that was really intriguing so I was like okay I want to go role play kind of just like feel out like different characters and kind of see like how would they respond if they had I don't know quote-unquote muggle technology and then I guess in conjunction with that I kind of found like overall like the more standardized like fanfic where you're kind of just reading it from like maybe that third person perspective of say like Harry or some other character and then it's kind of like you know this is something that we didn't see in the books or movies but this could have been a thing so I was like okay this is really intriguing but you know there are writing communities and a bunch of other um, writers like writing all this stuff so I was like okay maybe I can give it a go and like actually writing a thing. So there was me trying to do some um, writing of Drabbles. And I mean, Drabbles, uh, for people who, don't, who aren't familiar with that, it's, it's really short flash fiction, maybe like around 100 words. But a lot of the times we're terrible with word count and we go over 100 words. But I was introduced to a community called the amazing weekly Drabble thingy and it was basically a group of people who they took a prompt I think it was I want to say it was weekly a weekly prompt it could be like a thing or a place or a photo or whatever and you like write a thing about it, it could be with basically like someone in the Harry Potter world and you just like take that prompt you run with it you make it like flash fiction and that oh, nice. was, yeah, that was literally how I started writing. And then that kind of fed into the whole like role play type of 
deal because eventually I found myself I don't know it I somehow got sucked into four communities of like role playing but yeah it kind of all like fed into like it's it was a snowball effect essentially Oh, that's so awesome. And, you know, it's funny as you're talking about like these role playing communities, because, you know, before we started recording the show, we were talking about your, you know, involvement with D&D, which is a role playing sort of game, you know, so it doesn't surprise me at all that you found yourself in your like early years, just really excited about all of the possibilities that were available online through uh, through Harry Potter RPGs that were like right and left on LiveJournal. I think that's so awesome. Yeah, it's kind of interesting just because I just didn't know that would be kind of my primer to getting into D&D later on in life. But with role playing, so by being part of like four different RPGs, I got to play four different characters. And honestly, it, it was actually really weird too. But I guess for the nature of what Live Journal was, and you know, having all these different characters, like they actually opened up like applications for people to sign up to be a character, and you definitely had to provide a writing sample in a few different perspectives, just because they actually had like themes, like to make this a story go on, and then they had a little bit of like. I guess, side quests or at least like a side type of assignments. So like a character is like in their own journal or whatnot. And then kind of outside of this whole, I guess, community, there was another live journal community that kind of mashed all these fandoms together. Um, So other people doing RPGs for other fandoms and they called it the dressing room and you had different characters. You could have Batman talking to Harry Potter or, you know, some other character that exists and, you know, they can just kind of like bounce like dialogue off of each other and just kind of like mess around. And that that was kind of a way for people to practice, I guess. Oh, that's cool. OK, so I'm super curious when it comes to role playing. What do you think draws you the most to like the whole role playing thing? I think it comes into the whole perspective of that character because when it comes to writing, at least from what I've learned throughout the years, you kind of have to think about like what their thoughts are or how would they respond to a certain situation because there are a lot of different situations that can happen, but a character is going to think and act and say something that another character wouldn't to to that same thing so if someone's like someone really likes to play sports so one character is going to be like really haughty about it one might just totally embrace it so it's kind of like knowing how you can respond not only I guess to a situation but even to like other people and kind of like show those colors of personality so I think that's probably why I really enjoy uh, dabbling with like dialogue just because I mean with roleplay you're always having that social interaction so it's really how you say something and then I think it makes it interesting too from um, a visual sense of like say reading text how do you inflect certain words or like what someone is trying to say because I guess in a role play sense, it's like you're not actually seeing it. 
you're kind of reading it in a way or you're saying it out loud. So it's a really different way of like conveying like what is actually happening. Oh, I love that. It sounds like it lets you really get into the character's head. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like in the journals, you can you're definitely going into that first person thought process because I mean, in a journal, it's like I can say whatever I want, etc. And some of these RPGs, they had it so that you're kind of responding kind of like as your character in that first person type of way with like comments to like someone's post or whatever. But they also had some instances where they actually had you collab with other um, people within the group and you actually made like flash fiction. So it's like, you know, this character is trying to seek out this character in the library and this is what happened. And you're, you're actually in third person in that view and you're basically writing fic together. Like, that's literally how I started, like, writing. I was like, this is interesting. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's so cool. What did you think about your first writing experience? Do you remember what that felt like? Okay. So I'm going to pick. Th- there is actually an RPG that kind of got me rolling with writing. So I was in, like I mentioned, four of them. I was actually, yeah, play, role-playing as Seamus Finnegan. It was a RPG called Vu Network. And basically, in Harry Potter, we know that Seamus is best friends of Dean Thomas. And the person who played Dean Thomas, we actually got on really, really well. Uh, we actually became really good friends. And, I mean, we would actually just kind of bounce back and forth, like, writing based off of um, Seamus and Dean's friendship. But I think that collab type of experience was kind of like pretty mind-blowing because it really actually made us go deeper into like how our character would like act and kind of it honestly was kind of like that whole like oh this is actually this feels real type of thing. Like this is like someone's like real life if that makes sense. Like there are actually like scenarios and it was like kind of beyond just like what we were doing for like role play for like situations. We we're just like, what if we did projects like outside of this, like just little like side snippets and all of that. And this friend, like I kind of like respected her writing anyway. I kind of like knew her through like uh, she, she had a few other ships she wrote for. But um, when we were like kind of doing role play, because that was how we met, we're like, what if like we just like took this idea and ran with it? And because she was, like, so into her character as Dean, I was able to kind of just respond as Seamus. And it, like, just, like, it just worked. Like, it was kind of, like, I know it's cliche to say, but it was, like, magic. Because we just understood how our characters, like, would have acted as best friends. And then kind of going through the years of, like, Hogwarts. And then there's this war and whatnot. It's kind of, like, we're totally leaning into that whole angsty, like, hurt comfort type of thing and okay here's that happy ending maybe it's a little bittersweet but like we just like got it so that was just really cool and I was like okay if writing can be like this I definitely want to do more of that (laughs) yeah no kidding it sounds like these writing projects at least with this person in particular it sounds like such a multi-dimensional type of experience 
And that's unusual, I think, right? For most people who try their hand at fan fiction for the first time, it's usually one of those、um, solo experiences, you know. But yours was with someone else, and I think that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah, actually, when I really think about it, I was just like, I started off as like collabing, really, when it came to like more of the longer type of fic, and then like with shorter ones, I was still kind of in that community. Of folks, even though I was writing like little drabbles, like there were still like people kind of. I mean, those are the folks that kind of like introduced me to you know like what beating was, like what spag was, and all that. And I mean, at the time, like you know, I I'm like in high school going into college. Of course, I'm hoping that my writing gets better, but it actually it, it's funny to say that I think kind of doing the creative writing outside of that、uh, those environments actually made. My overall writing like better, which is kind of crazy to say because I was like you know really taking advantage of like what is it with spelling and grammar and perspective and conveying what I want to say, and you know not a lot of people really want to hone down on that. But if you have that passion for writing, you're gonna try to make it work. Absolutely. So what happens next in your fandom story? Oh boy. Like I said,、uh, one of the characters I was role playing as Seamus.、Uh, another for another RPG called Obliviate. I was Severus Snape, so totally different character. <laughs>、um, oh, I love it! I love it. <laughs> yeah. And then I mean, I picked up、uh, Draco Malfoy down the line, and then、uh, Luna Lovegood, and they're all really different characters. So that was a really big exercise of just like. Figuring out how to convey all these characters differently, but to still make it feel like, you know, realistic at least to what we know from like canon and I guess the overall vibes. But I would say, in general, the big RPG that I played Luna in was called、uh, WTF Dreary, and apparently. That was like a really hot RPG at the time, where people like they had a community where there are like fans just kind of like you know responding to what was going on, and then they would like make their own stories. It was like a hot deal because it was actually really hard to apply to. Like I had to apply twice, but they were really. Oh wow! It was almost like you know a job interview. I would say, like when I'm actually looking back at all of this, I was like, okay, they had this application process for all of these, and you know. Most of the other ones, yeah, it was fine to get in, and like I said, you needed a writing sample, which is why I wanted to improve my writing. And for this one, it's like you know, a lot of people they want to get into these RPGs because they want to be part of this big thing, and they want to be like, oh, I rep- represent this person, I want to be liked. And I was just like, I just think this is a cool concept, but let's see what happens if I throw my name in the hat. And it comes down to like, how can you creatively Portray your character, and I guess in a way, the words you choose kind of just like mattered. Like, did that capture the essence of how someone would like say or think or do something? And I don't know. Something worked because I got accepted, but it was literally WTF. Jerry was like literally just chaos. It was basically Hogwarts and chaos and all of that. So there would be ridiculous like themes. Of you know students turning to animals and it's like okay how do you react to that and it's just like things like that you think in,、uh, from your character's perspective of like what they would react to how how they would communicate with others and 
it was a lot of fun. But from all these RPGs, I made friends that way. They kind of, they introduced me to music. They introduced me to, I guess, in general, a bunch of other type of live journal communities, like the, the fandom fest, for example. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. All the fandoms that we know today, they have all these different fests that people create works for. And I mean, that was my introduction to kind of like, okay, there's definitely, there's role playing. There's also fests that make like other creations. And I was like, what is this all about? And I think we mentioned before recording that, you know, and even in my bio that, yeah, I started as a writer, but I'm also an artist. And I mean, I have done art for since I was a kid. And I didn't know fan art existed until I saw some of that embedded in fanfic. So if I didn't know about fanfic, I wouldn't have known about fan art, which would have changed a lot for this whole fandom history. But yeah, that's like a thing that I didn't realize at the time. But I guess in general, fanfic and fan art go hand in hand for me when it comes to just like overall fandom. So it's kind of like I can like focus on one or the other but in general like they wouldn't exist without each other I, I don't know it's they're interconnected in some way because fanfic kind of was like that spark that got me into like fan art and for quite a while I was like making both which is like not really easy because I know a lot of people they will heavily kind of be like writing their fanfic or they're just cranking out art and I don't know how I did it, especially, you know, being in school and then, you know, graduating, getting like that first full time job. Like I was doing both and <laughs> kind of still managing to do, like just do everyday things. So, yeah, that still kind of blows my mind. And I guess in a way it kind of opened up a lot of what we call like that fandom experience. Like it's not even just about fanfic or fan art, but hey, they have conventions. And I didn't even know that until I kind of heard about... There was a, definitely a line of like Harry Potter conventions that were happening for a while. And then, you know, I think conventions nowadays, it's more like Comic-Cons and things like that. It's more on multi-fandom and uh, whatnot. But when there were Harry Potter cons, there was actually one near my local area and they were kind of having a call for art. And I decided to like, you know, see what happened if I made something. And I was like, yeah, I'm definitely not going to get chosen for that. Yeah, I got chosen for that. So I had some of my art. <laughs> nice. Yes. Yeah, it was it's kind of weird because it, they wanted it in their gallery. They wanted it on display. And that was like kind of my first introduction to like the fan art side of things. Yeah. So that was kind of like that big milestone because fanfic goes to fan art you know introduction to conventions it's like okay what else is out there yeah absolutely so it sounds like you started attending some conventions and is that safe to say oh yeah <laughs> yeah conventions definitely become a important thing later down the line i wouldn't know it at the time but at least that i would say this is around let's say like between 2006 to 2011 I was like okay so now I know that there are conventions now I know that fan art exists 
oh wait and there are you know other fandoms that exist besides harry potter so you know let's pick up like supernatural merlin because around that time was when those shows came out and i was just like oh these are interesting because a with supernatural i love like spooky urban uh legends and mythology and all that fun stuff like halloween is my favorite holiday so i was like yeah this is definitely like up my alley and then like with merlin it's taking a lot of that fantasy arthurian like legend and lore and kind of like putting it on the screen and i don't know it it was just kind of like a different kind of magic i guess so like kind of scooping up all these fans and knowing that you know these shows or books or movies or whatnot they like had communities and fandom is literally a community the fact that there are just different circles of people who like have that same interest that was just like really nice to like pop in and out of so yeah during that time frame that's kind of like where I was hanging out but the fact that you know certain fandoms had like in-person spaces where people could meet which is like where conventions kind of came in I was like this is kind of mind-blowing I would like to go to one of these it took a while to actually go to one just because conventions are not cheap let's be honest you have to pay for like travel the ticket and it depends if they have like you know celebrity signings and you know different programming all of that I would say in conjunction of like conventions I kind of I was still doing fest stuff and I was doing that for like like I said the three fandoms and then yeah somehow along the way I got sucked into Muggle Quidditch Okay, what is that? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to just say that Muggle Quidditch uh, right now, is it's called Quaw Ball, but essentially what it is, it's Quidditch basically for Muggles. So basically that broomstick is between your legs and it's like a combination of lacrosse, hockey, soccer, capture flag, and dodgeball thrown in a oh, blender. Wow. So, Holy crap. So were you like actually playing this game with other people? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is a reason why I retired because I'm, I'm definitely too old for that now. But essentially, yeah, that I guess the second milestone is I did not know Muggle Quidditch would also change my life for the better just because I was like, OK, this is interesting. This is related to Harry Potter. No, you're not flying in the air with, you know, a broomstick, but you're running around on the ground, in the grass, like with a broomstick between your legs, doing all this crazy stuff and trying to emulate what that Quidditch type of feel would be. But it was very hands-on and it was co-ed. So that was definitely a good vibe to kind of have like people like try this out. And it, it didn't even matter what your athletic ability was. It was more like well, you know, as long as you're having fun and there was a little bit of that whimsy feel to it, that was really what mattered. How did you find that locally? Like, did you just see an ad for it somewhere or did somebody tell you about it? Yeah, you know, it's funny. So my alma mater was kind of in a area where there was a bunch of different colleges and we saw a bunch of flyers and just like, I think through social media, Facebook and whatnot. So 
Quidditch uh, actually started at Middlebury College, which is, I believe, that's like in Vermont. It's definitely way up in Northeast. But they were doing a tour and they were going, they chose select areas to go to and they're basically demoing what Quidditch was. They're just like, this is fun, la la la. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. I don't know what like made me like look it up to see if my college had it but they did there was like a developing group of like kids that were trying to like get this together and I was like okay fine I'll like see what what is up with this I don't know what happened but somehow it started just becoming a thing and then somehow I got sucked into being captain for this team and <laughs> yes yeah. oh my god yeah it, I mean it's like I said like the rest is history where it's more of like okay there's enough enthusiasm and passion and people like they appreciate the Harry Potter fandom etc but uh somehow I was able to get like school funding to get equipment starting and then like in general hosting home and away games and I don't know we somehow made it a thing where this helped us all get into shape but it like was definitely a different community and I will say um, I'm actually still friends with some of these kids I met through Quidditch like we we still hang out and it's kind of amazing how that opened a new friend circle just from you know running around with a broom between your legs (laughs) so (laughs) yeah um that's so cool yeah i i don't know it it became a big thing because once all these schools i guess colleges and then high schools were picking it up and then there were community teams it kind of started like blowing up and like you mentioned cons are kind of like being introduced to me that was how i got into the convention scene because quidditch was kind of like that thing that it eventually became a nonprofit organization, which actually still exists to this day. After I graduated from college, I actually helped that um, organization as a volunteer and kind of get it uh, up and going because, you know, I was, I, I already had a presence in like Harry Potter conventions. I was like, can we demo, you know, Quidditch at these events? Because that's kind of like your prime audience. And I kind of ran with that. And I, I will say I have been able to, work with a lot of different conventions to get like teams like at these places to like do demonstrations and just kind of like get people hyped up but that was kind of a thing I was doing and I don't know that kind of got me into like event planning and eventually for a while I was doing event planning professionally for a job because of oh wow because of your experience doing all this stuff with Quidditch. Yeah, like the behind the scenes. I love that. Exactly. It's like the behind the scenes, you learn the stuff, you they're real life skills. And then to actually be like, what do you want to do for a job? I'm like, I know how to do this. Like, is that useful? It's like, okay. So I was planning events professionally, but also doing stuff for Quidditch where like I was able to like host a tournament in like a historical fort which like I don't think anyone can really say that they did that but that was a challenge I was given and I did it and I don't know a lot of just like being able to connect with people and sending teams to like San Diego comic-con or New York comic-con and you know kind of hyping this whole thing up like that was also in a way a new I guess friend circle networking circle whatever you want to call it but yeah, that's kind of like how I kind of got into the convention scene and like, I guess in a way, 
that kind of still resonates with me because I still drop quidditch on my resume and that has gotten me every single professional job I've gotten to this day. When you say that, do you mean that like it's a talking point during interviews and people just get really impressed by how unique that is? Yes. So it's really easy to just make a resume and be like, I really want this job. But a lot of people, a lot of employers want something that is a little bit different or makes you like a different candidate. What makes you stand out? And I know it's always a little bit of a risk to kind of put in like, you know, your passions for like something like fandom or something that's geeky because, you know, back in the day when, you know, pop culture was kind of like rolling out, it almost seemed like it was uncool. (laughs) And, you know, to kind of like bring that into light to be like, well, hey, this isn't like uncool, but, you know, it's different. But, you know, it's something I'm passionate about. I know about it and it can be useful. Like, it's kind of like that judgment call. It's like, do you want to put this on paper or not? But I thought it was relevant because of how much effort and work it takes to make something like, you know, look really good. Like an event is really hard to run. And I figured, you know, throw it on, see what happens. And if I, if I'm applying to jobs that require like marketing and events and all of that, like maybe that's useful. And you know, the number one question I always would get exactly is like, what is Quidditch? Tell me more about this because the backstory behind all of this, exactly what I just told you, when they hear that, they go, that is A, like, you know, out of box thinking, but B, we need more of that. So let's talk because it's stuff that isn't done or it's stuff that's like unique, but there's that common interest of, you know, you know, being fun or geeking out and having that community. And we just don't see enough of that. So yeah, that's always a big talking point when I interview for jobs, because they need more of that type of personality. That's so, so cool. So I definitely want to make sure that we leave some time for these other questions that are on this list. But before we move on to those, um, you told me that you attended DashCon. <laughs> I want to hear the story about DashCon. Yeah. So, uh, event planning career. I actually was, um, I had three events kind of lined up back to back when I was doing event planning as a career. The first uh, event was this, um, basically a work event. DashCon was sandwiched in between that event before I went off to New York Comic Con. I had a demonstration set up for it. And let me just say, I mean, we already know from the internet, there are memes all over the place. And I will also say that one of my friends that I actually met at DashCon, I met her a few times in person anyway, but I want to just like catch up with her. She actually took that picture of the ball pit and it wasn't supposed to be a meme. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting experience. And it's funny because the um, group of folks that I met up with, they're ha- Harry Potter and Sherlock fans and whatnot. But also, I was able to uh, connect with some of the staff I was managing for conventions, doing Quidditch stuff, at least for the first time. It was really actually cool, like seeing people like face to face. But 
we are all just like, yeah, this is interesting or this is a shame. But yeah, you have your ups and downs with what you kind of sign up for because what looks good on paper, it doesn't always pan out the way you expect it to. <laughs> so was it then as bad as Tumblr says it was? Um, Let's just say that my partner actually called me and was like what in the world is going on i'm seeing things on reddit and all these other communities and i'm like (laughs) i'm like yeah it's it's kind of insane and to be honest when i was talking with him i was actually in the hotel lobby reading fanfic because it was just it it was interesting where i just needed to uh, (laughs) remove myself from that and that's as much as i'll say yeah Oh my god! So it was like the fire festival of cons. Yeah, basically. That's exactly. <laughs> yep. Oh my god! Yeah. Over the years, I have seen many memes and many photographs of the <laughs> infamous Dash Con. So, but you're the first one that I've ever talked to that that has attended. <laughs> so, so I think it's very interesting. Yeah, exactly. When I bring it up, and it's like, yeah, and people are like, oh my god, and I was like. I have that badge as proof. Do you want to see it? Because, yeah, that was a real thing. So crazy. (laughs) Well, now you need a t-shirt that says, I survived Dash. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I want to hear a little bit more about your thoughts on fan fiction. And I sort of worded this uh, this question a little bit funny this time. (laughs) If you had to give a three-minute TED Talk about why you love fan fiction... What would you want people to know? I would say with fan fiction, I kind of consider it like a fun sandbox where you can kind of play in in that just because it, it offers that whole type of world building experience. It offers kind of a lot of things that, you know, you, you wouldn't really see in your everyday life you can really jump into a different lens of a character. You can look at situations in a different way. And it honestly, it's like the sky's the limit. And in general, it's kind of almost like that extra bit of dopamine that you can just get into your system when you can just like consume a little bit of fanfic just because our everyday lives are very stressful or we're always kind of like on the go and sometimes we kind of need something to kind of make us pause or to like kind of step out of our own heads and it's nice to kind of I mean it's kind of ironic to say like oh I want to go see what other people's problems are or what they're dealing with (laughs) but it's kind of true you kind of want to like be like I don't want to worry about what's going on with me. Let's see what's going on with someone else. And you kind of see what happens. And it's kind of, I I don't know, it's especially with characters that you can relate to, it kind of hits that spot to be like, oh, like, you know, this makes someone a little bit more real or human or they're kind of like, you're like, it's almost like you're not exactly alone, especially you know, for folks that kind of lean into fanfic when they're kind of having like a bad day or they're going through a rough time, when you see someone who's like kind of going through a similar situation or the feeling the same way you might be feeling, you're kind of like, oh, I can empathize. And 
you know, that's actually a really good thing. So it's kind of almost heartwarming in that way. I know, at least for me, when I first kind of got into it, uh, into a fanfic, that was kind of like how I perceived that as kind of like that, that hit of dopamine and just kind of, you know, it's almost like comfort, kind of like a blanket in a way. There, There's definitely different fix where you'll put that in like your bucket of what you'd call comfort and then you'll always go back to that those are like maybe the bookmarks for example but there's definitely fix that you'll just want to reread over and over just because it gives you that feeling so yeah I, I would say that's kind of like what I love about fanfic just because it's it's kind of always there especially when you really do need it so I love that answer. I love how you focused on feeling and emotion because I agree 100% like the dopamine hit that I get from fan fiction. Like I get that from very few places in my life, you know, but fan fiction has been one of those things that has been a consistent source of that dopamine hit. And so it's like, of course, you're going to go back to it, you know, <laughs> if you need that kind of a thing. And I love that. I love that uh, fan fiction can be so many things, but absolutely an emotional experience for so many of us. What about Teen Wolf fandom? How did you get into that? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. So I would say, I don't know if I really still consider myself a new, but I still kind of do. But you know, when I was doing all that, like, event planning stuff, and then I, I don't even know, I got into, like, all this other stuff, too, and for a while, I, when I kind of was doing a lot of, of the event stuff, the Quidditch, all of that, eventually, I kind of had to, like, taper things down to kind of having a focus. I kind of made that more into, like, an art thing before I picked up writing again, and when I did pick up writing, and making art again kind of going through that round circle type of deal I was like what I'm doing doesn't seem to be quite as inspiring and at the time I would say yeah around like around 2020 uh, was when I actually started like doing the writing again and for a while that was fulfilling and then like between yeah in 2022 is when I actually found Teen Wolf and I kind of needed something a little different because I was really just playing around in uh, the Harry Potter fandom. I picked up some reading with Merlin and those were kind of like my go-tos for like a long time. But it just wasn't, it just didn't seem like it was enough. And I think I mentioned before that I am a huge geek with like, you know, urban legends, mythology, supernatural stuff, all of that. Teen Wolf had that. And... I kind of was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And I knew that this fandom, like, existed back in, like, 2011 and 2012. But there was a lot of shows being released at that time. And to try to focus on, like, a lot of those. And, like, because, you know, they're rolling out with, like, so many episodes. That's, like, really hard to keep up with. So I almost felt like I had to, like, pick and choose, like, what I want to focus on. Or what I want to like catch up on so there's almost kind of like that bandwidth uh limit but the fact that I was able to like poke at this again I actually have uh a friend um she's known as palindrome or nerd herderette and uh we actually met through harry potter and we collabed on 
a dreary reverse bang fest uh, where she saw my art. She's been a fan of my art for a while. I've been a fan of her writing for a while. We both were like, okay, match me in heaven when we're actually matched up and we found out. But needless to say, after we wrote and made art for peace and had that release, she told me a little bit about what her interests were. And I knew she was part of the Teen Wolf fandom. And she was doing some big bangs and all that stuff. So I, I'm really familiar with her writing. And I decided to be like, oh, like, what else did she, like, uh, come out with that wasn't part of Harry Potter? Because she, she mentioned a little bit about Teen Wolf. So I, you know, went and clicked on um, one of her big bangs. And I kind of got lost into it. It was a, uh, it's called 20 Seconds or 20 Years. And it's a... It's a steric fic that is about 59k. It's a human AU, slow burn, jock nerd type of deal. There's time skips. It's like it's like when uh, Derek and Styles are like the same age and it kind of goes from there. They knew each other since high school and I was like, oh, this is interesting. But I think what captured me about that story was just like the overall character vibes. And like I said, I appreciate nerd's way of writing but the fact that I didn't even know this fandom that well but the fact that I was able to kind of like be like oh these characters like you know grabbed me immediately and I want to see like everything they're doing I was like okay tell me more and she basically we were just like talking for quite a while where she gave me a primer of all these fic recs and she was telling me about just like the show and like how I should approach like watching the show and just and it, it honestly the rest of his, his was history from there just because we were just like screaming about all of this because as soon as I started like reading some of this fic and started watching the show I was just like this is the inspiration I needed this is something I can actually maybe see myself like being a part of just because it was just so different because there's that mix of supernatural as well as like you could add a little bit of magic but it's it's a modern era it's a little different from Merlin or Harry Potter where you know you have that magic but it's in a different time era it's not you know in like every in our everyday modern life with computers and cell phones and things like that you had to be a little bit more mindful of I guess what kind of instruments what type of clothing you had at the time but Teen Wolf is modern and it's literally just modern day life with, I don't know, werewolves and cannibals and some other weird stuff that kind of comes in and out. So it's got the best of both worlds. Yeah. It, it, I mean, the, it was just like different. And I think what's interesting about this fandom, too, is that, you know, with the way the show kind of goes on, there's definitely different it definitely has a different vibe as it kind of like goes into each season but I think the fans they they kind of took what they had and they made it their own like they kind of knew some of the the writing wasn't like what they wanted and they're just like well you know I'm gonna curate this fandom experience for myself and just run with it. And I think that's what I appreciate. It's what I appreciate with fandom in general. I do have, I do think that it, it's important that people know that, you know, each person's experience is going to be different. And you have the ability to 
read what you want. If you want to be a creator, you make what you want. But at the end of the day, like you don't need to take yourself so seriously. And I think certain fandoms, they actually have a way of like, I don't know, policing content or whatnot, or it just has a different stricter feel. Or sometimes it could be really overwhelming. And I found with Teen Wolf in general, it was kind of like anything goes. And, you know, I love Harry Potter. I think I always will. I sometimes think that there's almost like too much going on in that community, which which can be really overwhelming. And the fact that Teen Wolf was like, well, you know, if you have a cracky idea, you go run with it and someone will like it and read it. And it's a great day for that. So whatever you think is like bizarre, throw it in fic, make it a thing and, you know, just see what happens. Like it, there's no expectations or I would say the expectations are just like, it's just not that high. Like you can actually feel like yourself, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's just kind of one of those places where you can do what you want forever. Yeah. And the thing is, you you have an idea and you can just throw it out there and someone's going to like it. Someone's going to reblog that, throw some kudos, comment, scream about it, whatever. And it it was just like more of like that idea was just like, okay that is what it is and the fact that there wasn't like an expectation of how to portray a character or some situation like that was kind of what made me go like oh kind of a interesting fandom to hang out in so that's kind of like how I got hooked with all of that yeah no that's awesome and then of course you know obviously you've written some fan fiction for that fandom and uh, we wanted to showcase a couple of those today I'm wondering what inspired the writing of your fic made from scratch and where the walls come crashing down. What made you want to write those particular stories? And then what kind of themes and tropes were you exploring there with those two figs? Sure. So it's interesting with how these two fics became to be because they are actually gift fics for people. So I usually don't write fic for people people in general just because I usually like to have a liberty of exploring different ideas in my own way and not having that pressure to make like a really big masterpiece and you know something that everyone is going to like want to kudos or bookmark or whatnot in general with stats I think that's just like a huge weight to put on your shoulders so I was kind of like okay well I mentioned that I got into writing because of like drabbles and overall flash fiction And I think learning from that way of writing has helped me kind of write with a word count limit in mind. And for both of these fics, I actually had like a word count limit to kind of make it a thing. So uh, made from scratch, it's a steric fic um, and the limit was 2k. And um, I'm part of a style shipping server where they have a fic exchange where there's a monthly prompt Um, people kind of throw out ideas people vote on it and then it's like okay you can sign up and you got about like two or three weeks to go write a thing which you know for a lot of people like that having not only a deadline but also a word count limit and then I mean the when you do sign up you are able to throw in like a few prompts for someone to work with with that theme 
But that's not always easy for someone to do, especially if it's you're writing for someone and then someone's writing for you. So that was basically the criteria for that particular fic. And I wrote this back in June and the theme was cooking. And honestly, that was actually my first go um, in that uh, fic exchange. I had no idea what I was like even dealing with, but my giftee actually was a uh, Teen Wolf Mutual friend, which was really relieving to know. But honestly, cooking offers a lot of ideas just because the first thing that came to mind, I would say, would be, you know, food is kind of like a love language. And I kind of was like, what can I do with that? Because in general, with everyday life like we're always kind of on the go we're always like rushing from like one place to another and it's really easy to just you know come home and just get takeaway or to just like you know eat junk for dinner and call it a day and I kind of was like oh well you know the tropes I kind of leaned into was kind of mates and established relationship and just kind of in general like that whole vibe of like taking care of another person and honestly it kind of like went from there just because I kind of think of food is kind of a way of showing appreciation and like making something from scratch which is where the title came from it's kind of a different way of showing like you care about someone rather than going to a restaurant and like buying something and presenting it as like oh hey like you're hungry here you go that type of thing there's almost like a little bit more effort or love or like time that was like put into like making a meal for someone and also you think about traditions I think of my own family traditions where there's just different foods that we'll have at different times and it's kind of almost a little bit of like that pick me up dopamine and like a little bit of a celebration I kind of leaned into that because with styles like we kind of think of his family being polish you kind of like think of like oh well what foods like would he actually cook up and the other thing with this fic too is i kind of um went on the flip side and i wrote it from derek's perspective of okay well if styles is like kind of doing a lot with like cooking what can he contribute and it kind of goes into that whole dynamic of okay you cook for me why don't i cook for you And it was kind of like running from there, kind of exploring a lot of that and what that could mean. So, yeah. With the other fic, the walls came crashing down. Stark fic. But yeah, that was like four, about 4K. Total different vibe. It was definitely angsty and wumpy. (laughs) Yes, it was. Yeah. (laughs) It's interesting (laughs) Because the person who actually um, received this fix, so I am a part of another Discord server called the Merlin Library Discord. And basically, there's actually a channel called Drabbles for Dopamine, where people who kind of need a little pick-me-up or they need a little motivation to kind of get a really important task done, they can be like, hey, I have this important task to do. Can someone write me a story and that's kind of like their reward. If they get that task done, they get to um, receive this story as their pick me up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I would get so much shit done. <laughs> yeah, so I, much. I have used it <laughs> quite a few times myself. 
And the fact that I have used it, I kind of thought, what if I could make something for someone else? And someone wanted, they had a lot on their plate and they, they asked for inks. They asked for inks. I was like, you're good with that. And I kind of like vetted things out. Like, are you cool with like, you know, things going wrong, a little bit of blood, et cetera. And this story, I mentioned that I was in Supernatural for a little bit. And what I loved about Supernatural was that whole exploration of myths and legends. And I was like, because I liked that, I was like, why don't I borrow a little bit of that and throw this in with Teen Wolf and see what happens? So I basically, I do read some Womp. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. I love inks, but I decided to be like, what if I just combine the two? Even though I've never written too many Wumpy things before and kind of ran with it. So basically kind of putting out all in the blender that was how this one became to be because it leans into a lot of just overall feelings after like a really traumatic event and I think in general like that was kind of what I was leaning into and I'm a writer who kind of leans into how I'm feeling at the time and I think around this time when this was released there was a lot going on and I kind of think of, you know, fanfic as a way of journaling and throwing words down, throwing those feelings in and kind of like pushing that through. I, I think that's usually how I get inspired and how I usually make my stories. And yeah, I just kind of run with it from there. Needless to say, I wrote this in a week. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that that's a lot of like pressure to even like you know, write a story just because a lot of these, I mean, drabbles for dopamine is drabble is should be a hundred words. This is 42, 42. And I actually picked that word count on purpose, <laughs> but in general, yeah, yeah, this became a whole like little story. I gave it to the gifty and they're like, this is exactly what I needed. And honestly, with these two fix, if the recipient liked it, that's all that matters. <laughs> it really is though. It really is. And the fact that you wrote it for somebody who like, you know what I mean? I mean, you you did it for such a good reason, you know, like that's just amazing. That's amazing that you would do that. That reminds me just of like the beautiful giving culture that we have in fandom. Exactly. You know, we're constantly doing kind things for each other. And I just think that that's so wonderful. So I love that that's where these two fics come from. Yeah. That's amazing. It, it's funny because I have definitely felt a lot of that in the Teen Wolf fandom where it's basically people write a lot of stuff for people or, you know, people will actually wreck people's work. Like I had a Teen Wolf Mutual actually make an author's spotlight for me like about, like last weekend. I didn't see that coming, but she basically was like, go check, you know, my workout. And I was just like, are you kidding me? Like what? I'm like, I'm not, I'm, I still feel like I'm new to this fandom. And I was like, I didn't really come up with that much, but I guess when I look at like what I've done, I was like, oh, actually I have like kind of created a lot of stuff. <laughs> but yeah. the fact that like people are just like that nice, like you said, just kind of like, you know, with that giving language or just like being so kind and compassionate I think that's kind of like why I'm like willing to hang around because like that's just like really rare to find it is it can be so like when you find somewhere just has good vibes good folks you know 
you just, you know, you know you found something special. And I loved these two fix. You know, made from scratch, it's so funny because I've said on the show before, I'm not a cook. And when I say that, I don't just mean that I can't cook, although that's true, I can't. It's more like I despise cooking. Yeah. Like the whole experience for me is just like, <laughs> if you want to torture me, like if, if if someone wants to torture a secret out of me, just put me in a kitchen and make me try to cook something because like it feels like torture to me. And for a long time, I didn't know, because that was my perspective, I didn't know that cooking could be so emotional for people who love it. So I love that you took this like concept of making the cooking a love language, because I had the experience one time of talking to a friend of mine, and he loves to cook. He's actually really, really good at it, like unbelievably good. And, uh, and I was asking him about it. And he was explaining the emotional experience of cooking. Yeah. And it was the first time that I realized that cooking could be a pleasant emotional experience for somebody. Because for me, it's not, you know, like for me, it's torture. Um, so like it was this whole mind blowing thing of like, oh, <laughs> people have emotional experiences when they cook, when they like cooking. That's interesting. Exactly. So I love your idea of like cooking as a love language. That's beautiful. Um, and then, of course, when the balls come crashing down, um, I loved how, you know, you include two kinds of womp in here. I'm like a womp expert. <laughs> <laughs> I've been into WOMP since I was like six years old. Amazing. Okay? And um, yeah, <laughs> and I really appreciated the fact that you included, obviously, like the physical WOMP of the whole thing that happens, you know, to styles and everything. But you also include like some emotional WOMP in there, too. <laughs> yeah. And um, I love both. So I thought that that was just really brilliant that you included both because I felt like it worked really well in the context of the story. So. I want to give you kudos for that because that was awesome. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, I think of, you know, with fanfic in general, what's compelling about it, too, is I honestly believe that it really should make you feel something. And the thing is, like, when it's very easy, I, I kind of, when, it, when I kind of approach writing in general, and even art, too, I think of it as, like, showing versus telling. And the thing is, it's really easy to say something happened, but when it comes to actually something happening, well, what's those, what are those sensations? What is like that character feeling? Can you actually feel yourself in their lens or their shoes? And it, like, this is where role-playing kind of comes back into this whole thing again. Like it's that thought process of, well, what would this person do? Or how would they react? One person could be super resilient, but someone else might not have that resilience resilience quite yet so it's it's kind of like figuring out how do you portray that but when you actually describe how someone's like feeling and like you said that emotional type of experience cooking or you know there's that emotional type of womp like those are two very different type of things and it's going to hit in a very different way for different people yes Yes, that's why I thought it was brilliant that you combined them because it felt like, I don't know how to explain this because I'm not a boxer, 
But you know those moves where it's like two punches in one second yep. or whatever? Yep. It felt like that. I was just like, whatever that maneuver is, that's what this exactly. feels like. Yeah. <laughs> so great. Now, talk to me a little bit about um, Enough for Now, because in an email you had mentioned that that particular fic marked a lot of firsts for you. I know that you had kind of combined, you know, like the the writing of the fic with um, like some fan art and stuff like that. So I was just wondering what you meant by those were a lot of firsts for you with that particular fic. Yeah. So believe it or not, that was actually uh, the first time I wrote 14 Wolf. So. Oh, really? Yeah. So when I said that I got into Teen Wolf like pretty much overnight because of my friend, I think I kind of tried my hand like after, you know, watching some episodes of the show and then also, you know, binging on fic, of course. Um, I was like, I, I think I have a grasp on these characters or, you know, like, let me first, like, you know, think of a way to, like, draw them because I was like, can I even draw them? Like, can I, can I even create for this fandom? So I decided to kind of, I had maybe three weeks of practice, like, drawing Styles and Derek and I made a, um, a portrait series that I'm gonna probably make it as an ongoing type of series, but then I kind of came up with this whole um, fall concept because there was a fest called the Very Sarah Fall Fest that was kind of a thing. And I was like, maybe I can con- contribute to that. So I made art and I was like, oh, like, you know, this art is screaming for words. Like something needs to be written. It's like the way and when I go into art, I I have a basic concept and I don't have like an exact idea of how it's going to look because I kind of approach it the way I do with writing too. I, I'm not the type of person that like has this like extensive outline. I might have like notes, but I don't like to box myself in because honestly, when it comes to creative ideas, I get the best ideas when I'm like brushing my teeth or doing some mundane tasks that is like nothing related to like all of this. And I took a little bit of time to like have that art like sit there and I was like well there needs to be like words like a caption or something so I was like well we're gonna go write a triple drabble to go with that. I had no idea if what I was writing like would work but I was like this is how it feels to me and like I said I write with feeling but I also draw a feeling so I just throw the feels. I throw the words down I'll throw that, you know, on my canvas and kind of like let it run. Yeah, just kind of like with uh, the walls came crashing down. I kind of borrowed a little bit of supernaturalness and I kind of picked Scarecrow that episode and kind of, you know, made a little nod to that and kind of worked around there to uh, make this piece. So that was kind of just like a milestone because I literally was still new to this fandom. I, I had no idea what the reception was because yeah I was a writer and an artist but honestly I was like I'm just gonna go post this see what happens and it was really well received and some people that knew me from other fandoms they were like oh my god you're in a new fandom give me more people who didn't know me were like um this is awesome give me more and I guess overall that whole like welcoming of like being in a new fandom it like just wasn't as terrifying because I'll be honest I was like I'm in a new fandom this is terrifying should I even make a thing maybe this is like something I like shouldn't post up and it's kind of like that 
whole feeling of you know you're going to like a new school or a new job and you're kind of like do you belong here because you don't really know anyone I mean yeah I had you know a couple of people I knew that like like quinoa but I was like okay is this a place I can stay in because like I mentioned quinoa gave me a different spark of inspiration and I was like I don't really want to lose that because it was just kind of that world that opened a lot of different things or a lot of different perspectives. And I was like, I want to explore this more. But the fact that people were just like, I don't know, reblogging this or just like talking about it or whatnot, it it definitely made me like more confident to be like, okay, I think I've found something I can work with. But also it kind of goes back into my own interest as a person to be like, you know, there's that urban legend mythology just like supernatural spooky feel and like I said the expectations to like go make some masterpiece I was like I can just make what inspires me and just call it a day and it's fine it's gonna be okay that was just like a really nice fresh breath of air to kind of just let that go and that's kind of why I started like making all the stuff I've been making yeah, it was a good experience. It sounds like the fandom welcomed you with open arms. Yeah. And that's such a great feeling, right? <laughs> when you feel like, oh, I can really make a place here. And this piece of art, it is beautiful. I feel like it's a very emotional piece. Yeah. Like the way that they're looking at each other, there's something about that. When I first saw that, I was like, oh, this makes me feel something. That's so interesting. So that's interesting that you like did the art first. Yeah. And then did you know, the drabble with it. I love that. Yeah, it was not planned to actually have that be an art and drabble piece. And uh, honestly, it was just kind of like, it was almost like an experiment just to see what would happen. Just because, yeah, I, I just want to see what would happen to what would happen if it wasn't so much of like, you know, ex having these high expectations when it comes to stats, because as a creator, it's very easy to get wrapped around that. Oh, yeah. A lot of creators fall into that trap. Yeah. People want to feel validated, which I understand as a human kind of thing, but it can weigh you down. And I, I think in general, because Sterics are really big ship, like I'm not going to lie, that was the other thing. I was like, I am creating content for a very big ship. I started in fandom creating for Drary, which was also a very big ship too. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was like, sometimes there is that weight on you to like be like, can you make a thing that, you know, gets your numbers up? And I'm like, you know, when you approach things and you're actually enjoying the process and there's an intention behind it and you're happy to results. That should be what matters first. And if people like it, they're, they're going to like it. That's just kind of, it is what it is, is kind of how I kind of went through with all of this uh, creation, just because that's just a fact. Like, it really should be about fandom being fun. It really shouldn't be about fandom being a chore, because at the end of the day, like I mentioned, fandom's kind of almost, it gives you all those hits of dopamine. And that's that's what makes that really magical. 
it should be the escape from all of those other things, right? Because we have enough hustle culture <laughs> with everything else, right? With our jobs, our real lives, all of those things. So you're right. I feel like fandom should be something different. Like you said, I love how you put that, that dopamine hit where it's something, yeah, I don't know, more relaxing, more enjoyable, not all of this anxiety over stats and things. Although you're right. I love the way that you put that too, as far as like, it's human nature to want to feel that validation, right? So it's easy to see why so many of us fall into that trap <laughs> of constantly worrying about stats or looking at the stats or whatever. But I love that reminder that it's supposed to be fun, right? It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be something that makes us feel good, makes us feel joy. Um, so that's always good to keep in mind. One thing I was really curious about, you had mentioned in one of your emails to me about learning how to balance creator life with reader life. And after hearing your fandom story, I kind of see what you're talking about here in terms of like, you had mentioned that at some of these times in your life when you were doing these fandom specific activities, you were very busy in your real life, whether it was work, whether it was school, you know, you were doing all of these other things. So you have had to learn how to balance those things. What can you tell us about like the things that you've learned about balancing those two things? Yeah, honestly, I think it was like trial and error because when I first kind of got into fandom, you know, when I was in school, it was more kind of like, well, with the limited time I have out besides like doing homework, having that part-time job, whatever, it was kind of like, okay, is that like my little escape to kind of like have a little bit of fun? Okay, let's do that. And to be honest, when you're in school, you're not worrying about like, oh, paying bills and all that. So it's like, okay, let's go have fun and see how long that lasts. And I think that was like, okay, acceptable like then, but trying to do that as an adult where you have to support yourself and you have a nine to five job, it's like, by the time you get home, you have dinner and maybe you want to go to bed. Where do you find the time? Exactly. Right? <laughs> it's like, you definitely want to like rewind the clock, have that time turn to be like, can I make that time? get more time. And I mean, I always make the joke, time is like out of stock indefinitely. We're not going to have enough time for all the things we want to do. But if we kind of figure out what matters the most to us and, you know, prioritize, I think that was what I had to learn over time, you know, as a reader, like what type of content do I want to consume? And, you know, I guess from like a fanfic side of things, the beauty of having word counts on fanfic is like that helps carry that experience of do I have enough time to read, you know, 5K versus 100K in a given amount of time? That's going to dictate whether you're going to be binge reading a fic overnight or, you know, do you just need like maybe a 15 to a half hour to go like read something really quick? And kind of get that same feeling. So it's kind of almost like, what do you need at that time? So that's kind of how I've like carried a bunch of my bookmarks to be like, oh, you know, I know this story is like pretty quick and I know what it's about. So here's where I can kind of go in and be like, okay, um, here's that dopamine fix. And then when it comes to those like longer ones, it's like, ooh, do I want to like sink my teeth into that? Do I want to feel all these feelings and like get lost into a world? I guess it kind of comes into that mindset of like, 
what is going on in your life? Do you want to get away for a while and kind of go from there? When it comes to like being a creator, I almost kind of think of it as like, you know, school or like a job type of thing of like, you know, we we all need to sleep. I wish ideas kind of just could like come in overnight and like make itself the idea makes it into like fic or art or whatnot like it's really hard work being a creator that's where it comes to being really proactive like with prioritizing because like I mentioned fests were like a thing that was introduced to me and it's really easy to kind of give into that FOMO of like the fear of missing out and in general it's like I want to sign up for all these things and like any other thing where when you load your plate with so much you burn out and I I have done that like quite a few times it's not pretty and it's like you have to kind of think what matters to you what do you need at that given time and honestly it, it comes down to also the creative process like is it pulling teeth to get something done is it actually fun it comes back to fandom should be fun and if it's being a creator and churning things out and if it's you know for if it's more for quantity versus quality or if it's like to please other people that's where it's like you need to take a step back and figure out like what works for you so it is a trial and error type of thing and like like I said like fandom is an experience not only do you curate your own experience for yourself of like what you want to get involved with what you want to read etc we have to be mindful that fandom over time can change for us because like I said I I started out like in a really Harry Potter heavy fandom experience but I'm hanging out a lot in Teen Wolf right now and you know I have my like side of like Merlin and Good Omens here and there but it's kind of like I think just you know being present in the moment and like knowing what like works for you what makes sense at the time and kind of like going with the flow in that sense yeah recognizing the impermanence of our experience through life and that applies to fandom too yeah you know nothing necessarily lasts forever so if you can just go with the flow like you said and enjoy the journey i think there's magic in that i love that exactly (laughs) um you know it was so fascinating hearing your fandom story And as you were explaining the events to us and everything, I could tell that there were plenty of things that you learned about yourself in that whole experience. I mean, you mentioned 20 years in fandom. You've been 20 years. That's a long time. It's amazing that you were able to, like, turn your ability to event plan into, you know, like a real life career. That's amazing to me. I love that. Um, So you learned that about yourself through, you know, participating in fandom. I was just wondering if there are any other things that you can think of that you've learned about yourself through either writing fan fiction or participating in fandom. Yeah, I would say it's funny because there are just so many things that I would have been like, oh, as a kid, like, I wish I had a manual just like, you know, be a person in general. There's so many things that school or, you know, friends or even like family they don't like tell you and there there's no manual of like 
how to be a human. But I would say when I kind of dove into fandom earlier on and, you know, being in a school environment, no one tells you how you can handle self-worth or confidence. Like there's always like the popularity click stuff and, you know, you, you want to like belong somewhere. And I think that's why it, it's appropriate that like fandom was like kind of what I reached for because in fandom you can find circles where you belong and it sometimes in uh, school settings that's that's a little harder to find because it's one thing to kind of put yourself out there like in person it's definitely a lot easier to put yourself out there online and you know if you're lucky to meet people in person later on that's great and I have been able to do that and that's like I almost feel like that's like a more valuable experience because you know those people kind of understand where you're coming from you have a common interest they have different like worries or maybe similar worries but there's I almost feel like there's not a lot of that judgment you get from like you know being that new kid walking in classroom or being that like going to a job and you're like that new person like in a group like you don't feel like there are eyes on you if that makes sense but you feel like you belong somewhere but also I would say too and I think a lot of people that I've talked to kind of feel this way as well but you kind of start learning who you are as a person by kind of consuming you know fanfic or art or whatnot like it could be sexuality body positivity um self-expression uh gender what your pronouns are like all of that there's no manual for that it's kind of like when you are reading a story and someone goes through a thing that might be your aha moment where you're just like I've been in that type of situation where I felt this way and I think that makes sense. Maybe this is onto something. Let's go explore that more. But that's not something you're going to get out of like, you know, an everyday experience because, you know, it's not really discussed or talked about. But in fanfic, there's that exploration to talk about it. There's no judgment on that because it's someone kind of you know writing a thing and presenting that concept or idea and you're like I've never thought of that before or let me kind of see what else is out there that explores this idea but I think in general too and I'm seeing it with like the younger generation where these kids and teens are like more comfortable with themselves and also I think that these folks are, like, blessed that they have, like, AO3 and they can actually just, like, read the fanfic and all of that. But that wasn't something that was, like, out there back, like, on, like, the live journal days. Like, that was just not talked about. No, it was not. Yeah, we talked about how, like, fandom changes over time. And I think also, like, the themes in fandom, like, it's really apparent how that language changes or what is brought up in different fix just because it kind of almost goes with the times and like what you know people feel is acceptable and as more things are kind of like looked at they're like oh like I can think of it this way I can use these pronouns um you know I can wear whatever it's almost like there is more of an acceptance 
I guess, of like expressing yourself than it, there was like at least back when I was jumping into fandom. It just you almost feel like you're seen. Absolutely. I have observed those same trends and those same things in fandom and it, it fascinates me. I do understand that when I got into fandom for the first time, that was 1997. So most of the fan fictions that I was reading in 1997 were written by boomers and Gen X people. And so now I'm much, much older. <laughs> and now, you know, I can tell the difference between reading something that was written by a different generation versus, you know, like a millennial generation or even Gen Z, you know, like it's very interesting to me to see the generational trends in fan fiction and what that looks like and how you can sometimes tell the differences between the styles and the tropes and the concepts and the things that are important to fandom at any given time. It's very interesting <laughs> to see those trends for sure. For sure. I mean, it's all good. I, I've loved all of the fan fictions written by all of the generations. So like, I, I hope I'm not making anyone feel like I'm calling anyone out because I'm not. It's just fascinating yeah. how things change, isn't it? <laughs> and, and, you know, especially, you know, you and I have been around for a long oh, time. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> like, you know. The biggest thing that really stands out, especially with fanfic now, is really how people are writing more things in with like mental health and just overall like really tapping into that that's definitely a thing that you know a, a lot of people if, if you're lucky to have access to that like that's amazing but I, I think a lot of those themes are kind of bleeding into fix because you know I will say with a lot of Teen Wolf fic there's a lot of PTSD trauma like there's a lot of bad things happening and to see writers actually pick up on these ideas and actually explore it to be like maybe they can actually have a healing process and like maybe have some type of ending that is a little more hopeful that's exactly kind of like what some people need and I'll say it that in general with like fanfic not only being like a dopamine type of thing but also it can be therapeutic to just read some of these things. Yes, I agree. I agree, especially in a fan fiction context, because I have noticed that um, when we encounter canon type materials, whichever fandom it ha happens to be in, I don't often see canon address the mental health issues. You know, like I'm specifically thinking of like uh, the Winter Soldier here, for instance, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that was never addressed. Not really. I realize, OK, that in the TV show, he was going to see a counselor. I realized that. That was part of canon. But even in those scenes where he's going to see that counselor, they really did not address the mental health issues. Not really. You know, like the only place I have ever seen it addressed is in fan fiction. And that's important. It's important because I, I don't feel like I see it ever in canon on TV shows and movies yeah. and things like that. And I don't know why it's never addressed, but it's just not. So you're right that like fan fiction gives us the space where we can do that. And it is needed. It is. I wish I had had access to that. I feel like a lot of the fan fiction I was reading in my teen years, um, you know, every now and then you would come across like a fan fiction that would address maybe some kind of mental health issue. But it wasn't as common as it is now, like you said. And I think that that's so great that it is now because like <laughs> I mean, so many of us have those issues, right? Sometimes it can be really therapeutic, like you said, to explore that in a literary sense, or at least to feel like we're not alone 
yeah. in feeling those things exactly. and experiencing those things at the very least, right? So my last question for you today is, are there any other fan fiction writers that you'd like to shout out on the show? Yeah. Bleep Zero Bleep has a lot of Sarah fics that are either long or short, but that's definitely an author I would recommend checking out just because there's just a lot of variety. Wolfspur is actually a mutual friend of mine that I collabed with, but pretty much every fic that she's written, it's definitely worth a shot reading because honestly, it's great writing. And a lot of the scenarios are just super unique. Dr. Underscore Girlfriend has some really good fics that have really creative plots. And honestly, the fics are, you know, fics that you want to sink your teeth into. And then uh, Snark at the Moon also has fics I love as well, just because, um, like I mentioned, I love the inks and the hurt comfort type of tropes. But if anyone wants to feel all the feels, definitely check her stuff out. So, yeah. Awesome. Yes, perfect. We'll make sure that everybody gets up on the show notes so folks can check those out. Sugary, thank you so much for joining us today and telling us about your fandom story and sharing your thoughts with us. This was great. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. It's great to discuss all the fanfic and fandom stuff. Absolutely. Check out their stories on AO3 and give them some love. You can find the Fanfic Maverick online at fanficmaverickpodcast.com, on Tumblr at fanficmaverickpodcast, on Instagram and Twitter at fanficmaverick, and I can always be reached at fanficmaverick at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, and I will see you next episode. In the meantime, keep on rolling. Rolling.